Hammer crushed all the Marvel movies. I watched uh, Avengers, the both Infinity Wars and Ragnarok yesterday. So three? Yeah. I was just like, eh, I got nothing else to do. Of all the things I'm jealous of for Plumber for his spare time, that is <laughs> very low. <laughs> three, three Marvel movies back to back. We're doing episode five and we're doing um, our top three games that we played in 2020, I would say finished and probably started it within 2020, but doesn't have to be exclusive to a release in 2020. So, um, and then a couple of alternatives as well. Uh, Figuring it's the end of the year, it was a good opportunity to do this. So um, I think Jack will start it off with his selection. Thanks, Palmer. Um, So, so this was kind of a cool year for gaming for me because I, I ran into some stuff I don't normally play. Um, and I had a lot more free time than normal because of <laughs> getting laid off twice and uh, a month in January when I was working like 25 hours a week because of a, a remodel. And so definitely got to experiment with some different stuff that I normally wouldn't take a chance on. Um, I will say that at the end of the year, looking back, there's there's really six games that mattered. Um, although, if you look at my log, I played a whopping 40-plus games this year. Um, but there's six games that mattered. And the first one, I actually had a wonderful experience with you, Plumber. Um, and a short game, but a fun and stupid and exciting and and, uh, uh, and that was A Way Out, uh, which is a two-person co-op game where basically you and your buddy uh, break out of jail and you just go on all these different shenanigans. And it's a, just a really well-made co-op game. It's not really well made game. It's, it's got a lot of flaws, but it's really well designed to just you and a friend to just go through. Um, they do all these little tricks with the camera. Um, to draw you in the character's personality um, you can really kind of role play and have fun like hating on each other which is you know if you have good friends that's what you like to do so uh, yeah Plum uh, how did you feel about that game? Uh, yeah it was a lot of fun um, I was actually very surprised by how uh, centered around multiplayer it was especially uh, just you and your friend. A lot of the puzzles, a lot of the like action scenes kind of required both of you being there and present and talking to each other. Uh, some pretty funny moments, some really cheesy moments, which is where I just kind of like had True. a tongue-in-cheek response to it, but uh, I felt like... Part of the fun, though. Yeah, exactly. That's what made it fun, and uh, the Jeep scene at the beginning is one of the more funner moments I've had in that game, but also the ending was awesome too in its own right. So where we had to, where we had to duke it out. Yeah. What yeah the, do you remember the hospital scene though, where there's all the different camera tricks and angles going on and um, where you're running, both of you are trying to escape the hospital. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just really well-made. Um, yeah. But, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it, is it what kind of style of game is it just like puzzle then or is it like a... it's an adventure game an action game but it's really it's completely crafted to be co-op you could not play it as a single player 
And therefore there's some things that are just really dumb, but because you're playing it with a friend, it just, it makes all the dumb things just like things you can laugh about and all the fun things, just like something you really get into because you're, you're literally doing it with your buddy and it's, and it's designed to, and designed to do so. Uh, so it's like, it's like a, it's like a poor man's uncharted, but you're, you're both playing at the same time. Um, no, nothing wrong with that. And if anything, I would argue that's very essence of kind of the concept of this podcast we have here, the couch co-op of it's that sense when you're like with your buddy, just kind of tooling around and you're, you're half focused on the game, but half kind of, you know, just whatever comes out of your mouth. So that sounds like an ideal game to play with two buds. Um, so yeah, I, I never play online games, so I'm always curious about these types of ones that um, actually require partnership rather than something <laughs> like, you know, an Apex or Call of Duty where you just, you know, kill whoever's on the other team. So that's way cool. Uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> well, that's a perfect setup actually for me because I played a lot of horror games this year. Um, I actually thought that... Um, I kind of did like you, Jack. Like I, I played a ton of games in 2020. Uh, I didn't end up getting laid off. I assumed I would, and I did switch to moving or working from home. So, and working from home, uh, it afforded me a little more free time than I'm used to in my day commuting. So, um, and yeah, for whatever reason, I played a lot of the horror games. I think a lot of that is because they tend to be free, um, either be at the monthly PlayStation game that they offer you or. Um, later when I invest in the actual uh, streaming service. Um, but the one that I think stuck with me the most of the bunch was a game called Soma that um, was originally, it's a VR game, but you can play it without the headset. And I just thought the setting and the pacing of that game was brilliant. And it's one of the few games that like towards the end, like truly like I got scared of which usually isn't the case of horror games. Like I had mentioned in a previous recording with you guys, uh, a game called Outlast 2, which was another horror game I played this year that actually genuinely terrified me. But that was actually terrifying in a sense of like, it felt like I was watching a really good horror movie. Soma, like the immersion level of the plot and everything was just really incredible. Super underrated game, I feel like. Or overrated, I don't read the reviews, but... <laughs> Um, what's the basis of the game? I've never played it or have heard about it. So, uh, the basis is you're you start off you're a normal everyman you know guy in Toronto, I believe, or Canada, some part of Canada. So, and you go off because you you have some health ailment, and you check into a facility, and they strap you to a chair, and then you blink, and next thing you know, you wake up and you're in this underwater facility that's just like plagued with killer robots and you're trying to figure out wh where to go and what to do next and um it's one of those games where i'll say like without giving too much away like almost all of the decisions like fuck with you morally like you're faced with a lot of decisions where you have to decide the fate of an npc or whatever and you realize like how harsh it is because there's really not a right answer um how you go about it and because it's so isolated, because your character is just kind of wakes up in this environment and doesn't have much interaction, the only interaction or the only other characters you really encounter are killer robots. Anytime you do get an interaction with an NPC, it like really stands out, you know, and then you 
grasp like you know oh you're going to be responsible for the fate of x y in xyz manner so um a lot of just things like that where it really messes with your head and then the overall plot like i i even if you don't play it yourself that's one that um if you just like find a short video on like summary on youtube um i would recommend it just because i think like actually the the theme of it as a whole is really cool um the further along you get into it so uh big thumbs up from me on that one but passing it along plumber i think the thing we've all been waiting to see is if cyberpunk 2077 made your list no no it didn't <laughs> <laughs> Titan, titanfall 2 made my list excellent game over cyberpunk yeah um it's definitely this is i'm working from the bottom up to top mentality as far as how my list goes um but uh, Titanfall 2's campaign was just absolutely spectacular, in my opinion. Uh, on top of being a pretty uh, entertaining tutorial, I felt like it was just a really good story that had moments in it that made you feel uh, very empowered, you know, and made the game kind of like one of those situations where you come in and have a challenge that is uh, not overwhelming but nevertheless still a challenge. So uh, one example was a, uh, a level where you really had to use your wall running a lot and it made you practice that quite a bit and having to like jump onto things or jump or not necessarily fight, but just keep running at times uh, was often like the lesson of that level. So um, yeah, I have to throw it down for Titanfall too. I was pretty surprised. Uh, Titanfall seemed like a pretty interesting first-person shooter since I play a lot of those, but <clears throat> uh, Battlefield 1 came out at the same time as Titanfall 2, which really pulled a lot of my attention away from it, so I didn't get a chance to play it till this year, and I was able to get it free from uh, Jack, so um, yeah, I would say it was 20 hours of just kick-ass video gaming. Uh, you know, your, um, your sidekick is incredibly charismatic and someone that at the end you know you really feel like was like a part of the whole adventure with you even though there's parts of the game a lot of it where you're split up and you're working with the other uh, you're working with your robot to get through levels by either allowing him to uh, get access to another room or him throwing you like across the map on like a fastball special type situation so yeah cool. i'd have to really throw it uh my hands up for that game as far as like one of the top five games i played this year so yeah i was gonna say that one like two things that stand out is one that's one of the fun like just overall fun games i've played in a long time just like every moment of that campaign was just a joy um and, and i'll say i mean like we spoil things here and we've all actually played and beat this one yeah <laughs> i'll say i this I got emotional at the end of that game. This year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there aren't going to be too many of those. Plumber's the only one with platinum cyberpunk thus far. But uh, no, but seriously, I got pretty emotional at the end when when the you know your your buddy you know sacrifices himself on your behalf. It was it was a pretty cool ending. Like it really felt epic. You know, the, the last two hours of that game just moved at such a rapid pace, and even as like the tone was shifting and you were doing different, totally different tasks. It just had this momentum that steamrolled all the way through the last couple hours. That was really fun. And, and um, 
yeah it was awesome um i feel like it it was like a throwback to me because like i remember like before like we're in the era now of like triple a titles and super immersive things like gta 5 that you can spend years and years playing um but like i remember back when i first started playing video games in the nintendo super nintendo era like you know a lot of the time you would just rent a game for the weekend and that was like your only experience with it if you couldn't afford to buy it and titanfall 2 i felt like would have been like the ultimate weekend experience because you know if, if i bought the game when it first came out i might be a little annoyed because you know it just goes so fast because of the pacing you're talking about jack but at the same time that's like you can't put it down when you're in that final stretch it's just so like go 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 the energy is just something else and and yeah i i can't say enough good things about that one uh the level where you're captured um it's after the time traveling part but you're both captured and uh i forgot his name i think it's like 7274 he uh bt7274 or 7472 but um he he basically like is like gonna sacrifice himself to give you a kit, a pilot's kit that drops you a weapon that just automatically headshots everything that comes in your way. And and though it's a complete um, aimbot hack that they throw on there, it's still like as far as like one of the levels, one of the ones where I was like, this is super dope. Like that's machine- what I'm talking about the pacing of that game. That scene. Yeah, it's like this cheap little thing, but because it's sandwiched between all these other dynamics, it just completely like speeds it along and, and it just, it totally grips you. And it's an escape mission. You're supposed to get out fast, you know, like, and it just, that whole mission allows you to do that. And so I felt like it was awesome. And plus the whole prospect that, you know, your buddy isn't dead. He just needs to get downloaded was like, also it was like, okay, cool. Here he is. He's going to be like, this is my last trick up my sleeve. Here's my memory core. Here's a, here's like an aimbot gun. Go out there and, you know, get my, get yourself free and get myself into a new body. And then, yeah. And then it pretty much kicks off the ending after that. So uh, Titan of Fall 2, amazing game. Uh, kind of sad that EA dropped it right behind Battlefield 1. Uh, pretty much, I think, just threw it under the bus. And so it just never got, I think, the fair chance. They would have waited like if they would have released that before Battlefield One, it probably would have been a better situation for them. But it is did uh, either of you guys end up playing any of the multiplayer? Yes, I got smashed. Yeah, and I, consider, <laughs> I consider myself pretty decent. Um, but I mean, you could tell when you're playing against vets uh, the difference between what was going on and what wasn't. I think teammates also help. So if you didn't go in squatted up, it probably didn't help you that much. So. Yeah, my experience, I, I got whooped and I'm terrible at those games. So, but I had heard that like they're actually, there's a revitalized community online with the success of Apex. And uh, since oh, yeah. it's all the same engine and everything, so. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get it into a multiplayer game. Um, I mean, I just, I just usually wasn't like, I wasn't at the top, like with Battlefield 1, it was very easy for me to place like top of the match. And with Titanfall 2, it was a struggle. Like I really had to change the way I played first person shooters with it, which is what I liked about it. And going through the campaign actually gave you, gives you an opportunity to at least have a fair chance because you've been using the mechanics to get through that. So um, 
They even have the inbot cheat gun in the multiplayer part of the game. So <laughs> I got one of those and <laughs> tried that out. Not quite as prolific on the campaign, but yeah, the multiplayer part is fun. Very exciting, very frustrating if you can't keep up with the pace. So, um, but yeah, if, you, uh, if you're if you a glutton for punishment, I suggest you buy the game and then hop on the multiplayer <laughs> <laughs> and get, get killed with get 30 times on the map. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, that was my uh, definitely one of my top games for 2020. That is good pick. Excellent pick, Jack. On to you. Uh, my number five game of the year is Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, which um, after playing Uncharted Four, which I beat, but uh, I just felt it was overrated. I don't know. There's one um, complaint I have about those games, and that is that. Naughty Dog consistently makes games two, 10 hours too long for me. And all those 10 hours is just, I feel like it's just padding. Um, I'm sure others would disagree with that, but basically what I thought they did with Uncharted Lost Legacy is they took a 20 hour game and they removed all the repetitive fights um, and just had this really quick pace. There's only a couple hours that dragged when you drive around this weird area on a Jeep for a while, but um there's two amazing scenes that rival anything else in the Uncharted series. One involving you riding some elephants into a waterfall. It's beautiful. And the other is the final sequence. Um, the, if, if you follow Uncharted uh, series at all, you know Uncharted 2 starts with this incredible train scene. And basically they were like, well, we had a cool train scene then, but let's expand that to like this 40 minute just, no holds barred barrage of awesome action and they kill it. It's just fantastic. And um, yeah, now that was my number five game. Yeah. That's, that's again, a perfect uh, segue to um, this would be an honorable mention for me, but I'd rem be remiss since I'm the only one who's played it, but not to bring up last of us too. And honestly, the, the reason it didn't make my top three for the year was everything you just said, Jack. Um, I felt like there's a lot, a lot of good in that. A lot. I mean, obviously, it's the game of the year. It's a, it's amazing, but it's amazing in the sense that like Schindler's List is an amazing movie, but I didn't necessarily enjoy the experience of watching it, and I certainly am not in a rush to sit down and watch it again, mm. as opposed to Titanfall Two, which is like a Rocky Four. Which, <laughs> hey, if I'm home and sick and it's on, you know, basic cable probably gonna sit through it again yeah. just because you know <laughs> and, and that was just last of us too was i mean it's technically basically perfect you know especially when you contrast it with what you saw with cyberpunk which was supposed to be the the huge killer of all you know last or this ps4 gen games like and it couldn't hold a candle to anything Last of Us 2 did um, in terms of representation. Like that's a huge thing in gaming. And, you know, they did it well, despite all whatever you crap you read on Reddit, you know. And, uh, you know, that's huge actually in long-term thinking wise. Um, I felt like the gameplay was super slick. And again, there's some sequences that are absolutely amazing, but there's a lot of sequences too that just drag on and just take forever just to get to something that's inevitable and you know is coming. And then on top of that too, it's 
the the first one had such a heavy plot but it just worked because it was just short and like it does go much quicker than you might feel and it just honestly felt like it covered each basis for it um when i get into the second one it's like it's just so it keeps pounding on you over and over and over again like it just it's so brutal and unrelenting and frankly it makes it some some of the characters aren't as likable like after a while so <laughs> i i don't know it, it's like i said amazing game i would never fault anybody for picking it up never like i would recommend it to anyone but it, it's heavy and therefore it wasn't one of my most enjoyable experiences of the year but i did play it i did beat it you know i'm happy to say i did it so yeah plumber um for the next game i uh i enjoyed i'm having a tough time i'm shuffling like these two around quite a bit but i want to say civ 6 and outer world like yeah i'll probably say civ 6, civ 6 but i played civ 6 this year and got the platinum on it um it's very much a different game than I'm usually used to playing, but I felt like it was a lot of fun. Uh, learning like the different, uh, going through the platinum makes you learn mechanics that you normally probably wouldn't learn playing the game otherwise, because I think my initial uh, gameplay was just a domination victory with uh, the Mongols. So I had a lot of fun you know, imagining my Mongol horde sweeping into like uh, some part of the continent that just had like Persia and China on it, all these weird different areas. And that was like the great pleasure in it for me. Um, also seeing like the different um, monuments and the different uh, buildings that you can erect was a lot of fun. I got to play a little bit of a uh, co-op part of it with Jack, but it was just really a long process. And I think the interest chain broke after like the first couple hours where it's just like not sure what to do on top of uh, the lengthy time process of playing that multiplayer so but uh civ 6 was definitely like a great game in its own rights the music i like the fact that i could like play the game with my feet kicked up so the pace was definitely much slower than most of the story-based games i usually play on top of like having a healthy dose of imagination allows you to like really enjoyed the sequence of events that are going on you know at the time so uh but yeah getting the platinum was really uh it was a lot of fun because there's just like i said different ways of completing the game that i never would have played uh science victory where you pretty much race put a colony on the mars which was pretty interesting so um you know it's kind of crazy like playing the game and then you know having it to where you're like sending someone to the moon while the other country is still on canon technology you know it's kind of <laughs> kind of definitely one of those situations where i was like yeah yeah um but yeah so uh civ 6 was definitely like one of the one of my favorite games to play this year so i definitely put it up there have you platinum every game that made your list <laughs> No, Titanfall 2, I didn't platinum. Uh, Civ 6, I platinumed. Well, don't spoil your, don't spoil your time. Yeah, that's going to say. You can tell us as you go. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. No, I haven't technically because of Titanfall 2, so. 
but I mean, I don't think I would have thrown Civ Six on there if I hadn't platinum the game. Yeah. Because otherwise, well, otherwise it's just like get a bunch of spear guys out and go like go run over and attack stuff. But you know, this time around, I had to like say get a religious victory, which meant not attacking the person, you know, and trying to find ways of keeping them from attacking you or possibly making allegiances, you know? So it's just really forced me to play the game in its entirety and to use different mechanics of it. So uh, great, great effects for what it is. Uh, they had a uh, new, I want to say a new, new idea built into it, which was over a period of time, uh, the more pollution that got released, the higher the water levels would go. So that was pretty interesting. Um, I laid siege to a town and pretty much just let the waters like build up and destroy the town for me while I <laughs> parked my guys on the outside of the town and just kept like, you know, keeping the walls down. So, you know, it was definitely like something that couldn't have happened in the other Civ games. I probably think only played one other one, which was Civ 4 or Civ 3. So it's been a while since I touched base with that. But yeah, great game, great music. Uh, great effects uh, just you can change so much about the game you can you know manipulate what kind of games you want to play who you want to play against and what conditions are victory so just really flexible really chill um, and just something you can do for a couple hours put away and come back so yeah great fun nice uh, my my uh... My number four game of the year. Uh, there is nothing I can say about this game that hasn't been said before. Uh, but Minecraft was a really freaking cool experience for me this year. I played it a lot in the other previous years, but um, I got my five-year-old daughter Kennedy into it, um, and like I was able to teach her how to build a world and just watch her like learn how to play this game and just get her like, you know, video games is a big passion for me. So watching her get into this game so much that now she like wants to play it every single night. It was just really, was really cool. Um, my wife who despises video games and the only video games she'll ever play with me is Tetris got into it. And now I go to bed and she stays up and builds a giant railroad. And it's, um, I don't know how much I actually enjoy playing Minecraft, but uh that experience was awesome um as was uh going into the the nether with um with dave and and uh nicole uh was just a really cool uh just end game kind of way to clean up the game and um that was, yeah it's just a great experience i had one i guess similar to like that sense of immersion um i i played through uh, nba 2k20 this year um, which I hadn't played a, an NBA 2K game since forever ago. So uh, that, that was a cool experience for me. I, I would consider it probably my second favorite game of the year that I played through. Um, I just think everything aligned perfectly um, with the way the season got broken up with COVID. It kind of really, that was like the one sport that seemed kind of be the focal point of everything like going on when I'd be watching tuning into sports center or whatever. So it's most interesting in that they were, were the sport that handled the relaunch the best. So I got really excited about being engaged in it. 
Um, you know, so playing along with video games, perfect. Uh, super cool experience because, you know, it, it's essentially capitalism in a video game. <laughs> like there's like when they say everything's in the game, it really is to the point where you're just like realizing it's like, my God, this is how they make so much money just because it's like, it really showcases. It's like, and here's the private events you have to do. And here's the practice facilities. Was this, was this, I'm sorry, was this my player mode or? Yeah, it was my player mode, but I mean, it carries over in every facet of it because if you want to build up your guy quicker, you can go to the playground and play there and you can go and check in and they have like the roulette wheel where you get bonuses every day at the same time at, you know, that whole Fortnite thing that they do like that just keeps you checking in constantly at the same time every day there's trivia games to gain more points it's like it, it's so immersive if you allow it to be and I couldn't bring myself to do it and frankly I I think why it stands out so much to me is I don't think I'll ever do it again because it's terrifying the amount of immersion that's built into this game to keep you just glued to it and play it forever but I really enjoyed the experience I think it was perfect in the sense that like uh, you know, I sucked at so getting to play from the ground up with a character that sucks and having to really build with the mechanics, the way it's designed, where it's not like the basketball games of old, where if you're wide open, you make every shot. Like it's like real basketball. Sometimes your player's just off, or sometimes you have to work yourself into a rhythm. So I thought that was super cool. I uh, forced my guy to get drafted by the Knicks just because it's a shit team. So I knew I could be the superstar. So. But even that was a cool experience because when your your teammates are complete shit, uh, you suck and you can't win games. And, you know, you can try to put up 50 points, but that's not good in that game. And and a testament to, you know, how well it plays is then the next season, the game auto GM'd and gave me Anthony Davis as a running partner. And then we just wiped the league out. So, you know, with one addition of one player. So, I mean... <laughs> So but, what was your overall us? Uh, what was your player's overall score for your uh, season where you wiped the league out? Uh, Ninety three. Oh, okay, you got up there. And did you use any microtransactions? No, no microtransactions. <laughs> I, I I couldn't bring myself to do any of that. I stuff. almost would have had to log out if you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but no, it, it really is. Like I said, there's so many things built in to take your money in that game, and and well in a way where you would almost feel accomplished for doing so that like I didn't even touch like the built-in trading card game that they have and all that so, let alone like playing on the playground or customizing whatever like um super cool experience I can see why it's so popular I, it, I think it's everything that Madden used to be and then some but yeah I don't think I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole because uh eventually they will suck you in and take your money <laughs> Plum. Well, my third one is uh, I would probably have to throw up. Uh, I'm so torn, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm definitely gonna have to go with the Outer Worlds on this. Um, really fun game from Obsidian. I'm a huge RPG buff, so definitely something that I was uh, attracted to. I was just waiting for a, a cheaper version of it, so it came out, and I picked it up. Um, it's got definitely was not the Obsidian experience that I was expecting. Um, I was expecting something Fallout, Las Vegas, Las Vegas-ish, 
but I've never played that game, but I've heard enough about it to really kind of get a good idea about what players were going through. And that was definitely not the situation in Outer Worlds, but <clears throat> still a lot of fun. Definitely does not take itself seriously. Uh, definitely have a game where, uh, you know, it talks about corporations running everything, and yet it was made by a corporation. So, I mean, so a lot of the jokes are super tongue-in-cheek. You know, a lot of stuff is, uh, you know, if you die, like, the person closest to you is, like, financially responsible for, like, your, your <laughs> like, <laughs> getting you a graveyard and taking care of your stuff. So when people die, people <laughs> just usually tend to run away from them. So, I mean, it's just, like, a really, uh, it's a really out there world and a game. <clears throat> but the characters are really a strong point to it. Um one of the main characters, Phineas, is uh, the guy that initially gets you involved in this whole situation. And he's just, uh, he reminds me of some of the people I know in life. Ryan, for example, he's got some parts of Ryan to him, but, you know, just much more smarter, I guess. Damn, <laughs> random shots fired. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, it's not, it's not a hate, but it's just like, don't worry we know he's not gonna listen to this <laughs> yeah yeah exactly he couldn't make it past like the first 15 minutes but yeah um great game that, that is actually a testament to his intelligence though <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> no, um it was the first game that uh i ever did a speed run on to get the platinum so that was a really fun experience where um it wasn't something I thought of. I definitely went online and saw how people approached a problem. It's like, okay, it's just a matter of replicating their actions. But there's a few moments where I really felt like I wasn't able to take advantage of it. So it became a situation where I might have to invest like another 30, 40 hours into the game. But luckily I got through it. And the whole speed run process took less than two hours. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, something that was like more in my, in my stream of uh, play for the year, RPG, RPGs tend to roll everything for me. So, um, but yeah, no, it was a great game. Uh, definitely something I would recommend if you can sit through it, Matt, uh, if you get the chance to pick it up pretty cheap, but you're going to be finding it quite a bit. I would suggest doing it. I mean, for God's sakes, there's a trophy where you get it popped for shooting through 30 enemies in the testicles. And there's a very specific <laughs> animation for when you shot them in the testicles. So you know that you shot them in the testicles, but definitely one of the funner trophies I had to get because he just slowed down time and shot a dude in the nuts. And he's just like, oh, <laughs> you know, and then next thing you know, you got five dudes all bent over like, oh, you know, and it's like, so um, yeah, just a really oddball approach to the whole like RPG, which tends to be on a serious note. And this one, one of the endings is great. If your character doesn't have enough intelligence, he'll, uh, instead of letting a computer that is like meant to fly ships, if, if your intelligence is too low, an option pops up where you decide that you're gonna fly this ship through the cosmos to a point and you're forewarned and the ending shows the ship literally like going warp speed into a sun 
and then the credits start to roll. So you can cut hours off of the real game just by being dumb enough and making that one selection. <laughs> like override the computer, like I'm flying this thing, and then it just goes like straight into the sun and goes. Well, you wiped out the entire crew. Game is over. <laughs> credits start rolling. So um, yeah, I think that's why I had to throw it up there. So. I love Dave's salesmanship where it's like, hey, invest a hundred hours of your life into this game because you get to shoot guys in the balls and they animated it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no. uh, Something definitely fun to check out. Good deal. Uh, Yeah, my number three game of the year um, is a one-bit black and white puzzle game called return of the obra din and i thought it was just totally engrossing it uh basically what it is is you're a insurance uh um insurance adjuster who goes on to this um to this uh i think it's like 1800s um ship and you're tasked with finding out how each and every single crew member on the ship has died and the only tools you have at your disposal um, is, a, is a map of the ship, a picture of the entire crew, and you have your um, memento mortem watch, which you go to a dead body and you click it and it brings you back in time, a still shot of what, of what was going on in the ship when um, that person died. And the really cool thing about this game is it makes you feel like a detective. Um, a lot of games have tried that, um, whether it's the main objective of the game or if it's like Batman goes into his bat vision or, you know, like, you know, yeah. but none, none of them really hit that, like, where you really feel like you're a detective and this one just nails it. Um, so the like i love puzzle games and that moment of like aha you get in a puzzle game that is that's what you get in this game and it's just really freaking cool like you you figure out who and how somebody died and it's just like aha it's like yes um and i enjoyed the heck out of that game i played uh, some of it and there are some some scenes that just seem that there be like in the supernatural and that Mm -hmm. was definitely like that was definitely one of the aspects that really i never finished the game i did play some of it but i never finished it but i got to definitely a part where um i was like wow this is a pretty cool scene where um a character is being lifted up by a kraken yeah and so it's not just like a bunch of dudes who are too horny start killing each other (laughs) it's it's like literally like uh some crazy stuff goes down and with that inclusion of some really weird scenes of some moments that kind of like really making you ask a question like what the hell is going on like i could definitely see why jack would appreciate that game a lot sucks you in and like it yeah it just brings you into the world and and like plumber said there's like this supernatural element that is just really freaking fun so yeah that's my game how long was that one uh, i want to say it was 20 hours or so but if you were smarter than me you'd probably f- finish it a lot quicker um it's all about like attention to detail 
and putting two and two together. Um, I'm pretty good at putting two and two together. I am not good at attention to detail. So like when Plummer <laughs> was playing, like he would like point out something that like I was almost like through the game before I figured it out. He was like, oh yeah, the numbers on the bunks. I'm like, what? I, ah, took me 20, 20 hours to, figure, <laughs> to notice that. <laughs> well, you recommended that one to me. So I, I'm definitely going to check it out. That sounds amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's fun game. And cheap to, to run. <laughs> And it definitely won't, uh, you know, crash the your PlayStation like yeah, no, no, times. no PS5 required. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of games that will crash your PlayStation, I have an honorable mention one here. Um, not quite on the list, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, Wasteland 2, uh, which is made by the same folks, I believe, who made Outer Worlds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're the original Fallout folks. I know that. Um and it's made very much in the same style of those old Fallout games where, you know, it's the top kind of three-quarter worldview with a little text box in the corner that kind of explains everything that's going on. And, yeah. you know, you go through adventures in a nuclear wasteland. And um, I thought it was incredibly nostalgic, like wonderful feeling. It crashes all the damn time. And for that, I hate it. Um, but when it's not crashing, like there were definitely some just cool moments that I think can only really be experienced using your imagination where if it was animated, it wouldn't be nearly as cool as like reading the kind of the description and seeing the poor animation of these like sprites, like acting out some ultra violence or some like crazy nonsense happening. Um, definitely another one of those games that fucks with your head a bit too, like depending on decisions you make um i definitely spent way longer than i care to admit on a particular segment of the game where um i mean it's a 10 plus year old game that crashes all the time so i'll spoil it for you guys but it's essentially there's there's a span this area that separates two of the different land masses and it's controlled by a cult of of monks who control a nuclear bomb that's active and they worship it like it's a god. And then there's this paramilitary unit that is trying to sneak in. They want to take over and, and be in control of the bomb themselves. So it gives you kind of this option where it's like, which one do you assist? Do you assist these crazy monks who on the one end are all absolutely crazy, um, but at the same time, they've maintained peace in this area this entire time because they control the bomb. Or do you help this paramilitary group that you know is going to hook you up with some awesome gear because paramilitary squad, but they're also assholes who are there just looking out for number one. They're going to probably kill all the NPCs in the area and do whatever they want with the bomb. Who knows? So I wrestled with this decision, ultimately found kind of a weird compromise where I disabled the bomb and didn't help either one, which ultimately led to the paramilitary squad invading and killing everybody in the region and then being pissed off that there was no bomb. So every time I had to go back through this area, I had to look, feel like a total jackass seeing all the bodies scattered around knowing it was a hundred percent my fault. But um, that to me is a mark of an excellent game is, is that you spend the time in your own head thinking that through while you're just, you know, playing a game. Like, like I said, that's something I feel like, with some of these more graphically amazing immersive cinematic experiences we get with games it it's just not quite the same as like what can go through your head if it's if it's just well like presented to you so 
Uh, like I said, I very much enjoyed it. I wish it wasn't so buggy um, because I, I would recommend it otherwise. And that's obviously what makes me hesitant to even consider picking up the new one that just was released, I believe, this year. Wasteland 3? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I'll play it just because of the bugs that were in the last one. So, but um, it, like I said, just for, in terms of nostalgia, that definitely was a high point of my gaming this year. Plum? Uh, uh, I would have to say one of the top top games that I played this year and was actually pretty surprised of it was Middle Earth Shadow of War, which is the sequel to uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. Um, and honestly, this time it wasn't really so much like the character. Uh, I felt like the main character was pretty wooden, pretty common. Uh, he has a, um, a elf spirit attached to him. Uh, actually, one of the <clears throat> main reasons why um, Sauron was able to gain all this power is because he was able to get an elvish crafter to craft these rings of powers for him. So uh, he, you've got him tagging along with you, and he's kind of the comedic relief in the sense that he tends to take things a bit more seriously or just a bit more aggressively than the main character does. But I do want to say the fun factor in this game is the whole nemesis mechanic and actually just the fighting choreography behind it. Um, it's definitely a button masher. So you're not going to be trying to hit R2, L1, and then triangle and square all at the same time in order to fight your guys. You're going to be hitting X and O a lot, you know, and you're probably going to be shifting some things around. But um, one of the great parts is, is that you can take over these captains and then recruit them onto your side and then as you go through this um, situation where you're taking over a fortress, like you can have these guys go in and take out the leaders, lieutenants and put your own spies in. So you can like set up everything. And then when you go after the main bad guy in the fortress to take it over for yourself, um, certain parts of it are, can be much easier. You know, so like there's uh, initially four points that you got to take over and then three and then two and then one. And if you have like replaced all the captains with your own um, and, you know, pretty much installed a bunch of spies, you can get to that last part a lot quicker. But that was the fun part about it was recruiting these guys. And it's not like that once they are, you know, allied with you because you kind of psychically took them over and overpowered their uh, mental state is that they can um, resist it. So some of them have iron will, which is like, you, you're gonna have to kill him or at least let him run away if you know you wanna do anything with that. But they can also betray you. So uh, I made one uh, goblin my captain and then I killed his blood brother and he came into the scene and was like, only I can kill my blood brother. And then like he <laughs> gets angry at you and now, you got these two guys going up against you and you're like, oh shit, that guy was gonna be my spy. So um, a lot of fun and there's definitely a tongue in cheek sense of humor with these goblins. They're definitely like, they're dumb, but their dictionary is so much more larger than mine. <laughs> there's times <laughs> in the game where I'm like, these guys understand and can use words <laughs> better than I can at some points. And the imagination behind some of the bad guys are impressive. Uh, like one goblin captain that you'll see out there uh, only 
talks in like prose. So he has like a little loop and he just sings like what he's gonna do to you and his threats. And then you can go beat him, you know? And then, it, so it's a pretty uh, legit situation. Um, really legit game in a sense that it's very engaging throughout. Um, I platinum that game. Nice. Yeah, and it was actually like a pretty fun platinum. Uh, a little grindy, but not so grindy that I was turned off by it. Um, so yeah, definitely a game I would suggest if you got some time. Uh, like I said, the story isn't the greatest. There's definitely some pretty cool moments. Uh, it definitely contradicts, I think, a lot of um, the canon behind the, the movies and the, the books, but um, it definitely has that feel of a Lord of the Rings experience. But like I said, just the fighting mechanics and the whole mechanics of having um, enemies that are stronger than the grunts that you can like convert, turn over to your side. One of them could be your bodyguard. So literally there's been times where I was about to die and he'll just jump in, you know, and be like, not today, not while I'm your bodyguard, you know, and then like pry the guy off of you, knock him off. And then like, he might run or you might, you know, try to get him to stay to help you out. So, um, and if you hit him enough, like they eventually will betray you. So it's not like, you know, you can just go in there and do my Halo 2 strategy, which was count how many good guys are in a group and count how many bad guys are in that same group. And if the bad guys outnumber the good guys, I throw a grenade in there. You know, if you, if you go hacking at your captain enough. I was the recipient of that grenade. I would not bad guys many times. You see, unlike my friends, these guys don't put up with the shit. So they just well there's actually my like friends the, to stop playing these games there's nothing me, so. like getting berated for how you're not playing like a good teammate when you're by the same guy who, who <laughs> and chucking grenades into the fray when you're when you're duking it out i can kill i can kill five bad guys and sacrifice two good guys man that's a positive of three i'm telling you, your sacrifice was worth it <laughs> that's some thanos type mentality right there <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that was my number two. Um, Jack, would you have anything with that? Uh, my number two game of the year was uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Um, I've talked a little bit about this game on this pod before, but I guess the one thing I'd really like to say about this uh, Dark Souls spinoff is that just the spectacle of the boss fights is so cool in this game they feel powerful they feel um the variety um the precision that you need to have in the fight and just the fact that you really feel like they're a threat because they're just they're they're overwhelming and um but because the fights are so precise it doesn't feel unfair it, it feels like if you just keep practicing and you master the move sets you need to do and figure out what the what the the right combinations are and get the timing down uh while you may be getting your ass kicked now you know in 10 20 some most difficult fights an hour uh you're gonna you're gonna get the combos down and i just love the feeling i mean there's a giant ape in there that's 30 times your size and he and the fluidity of his movements are natural and real it's not like some clunky you know like video game villain that you think of um the the boss fights in that game are just incredible uh 
yeah I, i'll second that one in terms of like yeah i i can't say enough good things about sekiro i, th- I thought that um they took all the elements of the souls games i liked and then added elements to make it fair so it didn't drive me insane like i love the fact that there was always a save checkpoint right before the boss so you could afford to go back and fight them 40 times and actually learn the proper way to to kill them as opposed to a souls game where i'm more inclined to call in for assistance just because i don't want to traverse through a 20 minute level and dodge near death the whole entire time just to now face this super big bad so um i definitely appreciate that it reminded me of old school 2d games in that like boss fight where you just know there's a pattern once you figure it out or once you know like which moveset how to counter it like you really do pick it up and you go and uh yeah i thought that was a fantastic game uh and i'm actually kind of interested because i heard there was an update so i might have to dust it off again that's uh i think it's really cool that you found a from software game that you enjoyed you know um I haven't played Dark Souls 3 and having the bonus of uh, Ryan, who was on his fourth playthrough, really like kind of hold his, hold my hand through the whole process uh, was something where you learn to appreciate a From Software game because of the challenges. And even though I had Ryan helping me out, there were still points where he couldn't. So, you know, he might be on the mic and he's like, oh, you know, in Ryan fashion, he's go, oh, you're going to want to run straight about 600 meters and then make a left, you know, and drop like 20 turns on you and expect you to remember it. And then you're like, oh, where do I go? And he's like, I told you, if you do this. (laughs) More shots fired. (laughs) Well, I'm just using him as like an example. But, but yeah, no. um, So I think it's awesome that you found a fun software game because they're an experience in themselves. you know, really pioneering, I think, that style of uh, action play, you know, where you've got a third person view, but a lot of it is rolling or blocking or, you know, changing your stance or depending on what kind of weapon you have is, you know, and then learning the boss fights. It's, it's truly impressive. So awesome job. Yeah, a game like that, too. I thought the parrying system coming from, in my experience, having played through all the Souls games, but Dark Souls 3. Um, in those you have a tendency uh, or at least one viable strategy is kind of turtle up like build bulk up your character's armor and use a shield and kind of you know just play defense in that manner but Sekiro really you got to lean in if you want to beat that game like you gotta everything's about parrying and charging into their attacks and really um, and they kind of did it with Bloodborne but I feel like this one especially the speed of it because they cut down on some of the animations and whatnot to make it just much more fluid and just really just speed oriented and i i loved it for that reason so i I think that's a great choice jack well i have you to thank for it matt you uh kicked me down the game and told me no 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 i don't care that you didn't you weren't able to finish bloodborne and and it wasn't your favorite game this is different give it a shot uh and and definitely big big payoff well, if I know anybody who can ram their head into a wall a hundred times and still continue <laughs> to try that same viable strategy, it would be you, Jack. So I'll, I'll take credit for that one. Um, so I guess for me, uh, not quite ready to name my top favorite. So I'll do another honorable mention. Um, since we were in COVID and I had so much more time to play video games, and since I paid for the free streaming pass, 
uh, PlayStation Now, I believe it's called. Um, I was able to kind of go back and play fighting games again, which is something I very much enjoyed when I was younger, but have certainly fallen off in recent years. So it was a cool experience getting able to experience Mortal Kombat 11, Tekken 7, Street Fighter 5, and the new series to, um, I forget what it's called. It's, it's the DC spinoff of the Mortal Kombat. Injustice. Um, Injustice, yeah. So getting to kind of sit down and try all those out and, and see, A, if I can hold my own online, but B, also just how different they are. Because, I mean, the last time I played Tekken regularly was, I think, 3 in tag. You know, last time I played Street Fighter was Street Fighter 3. So now we're at 5. Now we're at 7, you know. Um, what I'll say is like I online. <laughs> what's that? Could you hold your own online? The only game I could really hold my own online at was in Tekken, and Tekken was the one that I was going to mention. That that's the one I think that to me personally is still worth playing. And I think part of that was because Tekken was always the one that was most well designed to kind of thumb your way through. Like you don't necessarily need to know what you're doing in order to hold your own. Uh, versus Street Fighter, um, there's just so many new characters and I know nothing about them. And from what I understand, there's some balance issues. I hate the new style of gameplay from Mortal Kombat and Injustice in both areas. It's basically, it's the same engine and it's severely dumbed down to be really visually appealing. Like it's a perfect game if you're going to stream and play a fighting game. Like it's designed for that because everything you do looks cool. But in terms of actually like controlling it, it's just not there. Like Tekken 7 still feels fluid. It still feels like there's some logic to the different buttons, like what does what, you know, because you actually control each, you know, your ar two arms and two legs, you know, and blocking. So Tekken 7 was a great experience to come back to and, and see that fighting games are still alive. I, I, I like the layout of that one too. I mean, they're all riddled with microtransactions now and just a bunch of garbage you have to just grind in order to really see the whole game but um that one i would say of uh, stands above the heap so that was a cool experience to be able to check in on those again this year so plump um i have an honorable uh, i have an honorable mention but i think i'd be stealing jack slender so i'm just gonna go straight to uh my number one which was uh witcher three the Wild Hunt Complete Edition. So uh, it also, that that is a game that has both the DLC installed and both the DLC accessible from the get-go. Um, but even attempting them is like retardedly difficult. Like you go in there and you get one shot before, you know, and it could be like a golf, a, you know, like a little rat hitting you and you'll get one hit. So you definitely got to stick along the main story uh, to four point, but never played an RPG um, that really uh, invoked so much emotion from me. I felt like uh, this is even through some of the side characters. One of the more famous ones is uh, the whole Red Baron story, which I think Jack got to. I mean, Jack even played some of this game up to a point. I think just out of respect for how the community felt <clears throat> and rated this game, but you know, there's uh, there's just moments in there that are just really heartfelt, you know. Also, moments in that game where uh, you're not making the right choice. You're making a choice that may be less evil than the other option. 
So it really kind of puts you in some pretty precarious positions about how you want to reflect on uh, some of the actions that just went down between either uh, Geralt and someone else or between two other people and Geralt. Um, but really, like, uh, it really is a tour de force. I got to play the, the less buggiest version, the most complete. So in all fairness to, uh, with that respect, I think that's why I was able to put it so high because I didn't really get knocked out of my immersion as much as I would say with Cyberpunk where I blue screened 22 times playing that game. In fact, one of my trophy screens is a blue screen, which is probably the most <laughs> I'll show you. And it's the one for getting all the fast travel points. So I get all the fast travel points and it crashed. And then the trophy screen is like literally like cannot have the So uh I should post that one up on Reddit. I'm pretty sure the community is gonna have a blast with that one. But um it really is by the time I got to the last scene of the game, like I really did not want it to stop. And it doesn't have to. Um, there's definitely like the option for you to keep playing through it but um, the way I played by the time I got to that point I had picked the the game pretty much bone clean so a few moments where I legitimately like started getting teary-eyed so uh, being emotionally moved like that is always a plus when it comes to uh, from my experience you know because playing these games is it's it's a good it's a good way to escape reality in a sense where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a few hours playing as this character in this world with his abilities, you know, and with all the other characters around him. And so for, for me to feel so in tune with what some of the stories were going on was just to me pretty impressive. So. Um, this, was a, this was a game. Um, I did not really enjoy that much. And yet I spent four years telling Plummer every time it was on sale, hey, uh, buddy, you should pick this up. It's on sale. Hey, uh, <laughs> because I know what Plummer likes. And this is like the epitome of everything that Plummer appreciates in a video game. The, the choices you get to make, the, the, the bringing you into a big open world fantasy. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was definitely go. Cool good call by jack so i was gonna um, say and when you've discussed it in past recordings we've done um it, it makes me want to play it and i have absolutely zero desire <laughs> to play through the witcher 3 but like it, it clearly hit everything for you and and that's awesome to hear because it you know it really is supposed to be one of the best games ever made and it sounds like you actually got to really experience every facet of it so yeah, I mean, I believe Famicom even has it ranked, and they are a JRPG uh, magazine. So for them to recognize a Western RPG is uh, pretty impressive. But yeah, it was a game I started this year. I finished this year. It wasn't hard for me to. It was hard for me to start. Um, Jack had mentioned it, and then a sale went down, and the whole package was seventeen bucks. So I picked it up, I started it, found it kind of difficult to get into, and then reapproached it. <clears throat> I think at a point where I truly desperately just needed something to play. So I figured I'd give this a shot. And it probably took another like six or seven hours for me to really 
start getting in tune with the game and start appreciating for what it had to offer. It has its issues, obviously. Um, some things about it suck, but um, I would say it's definitely outweighed by the positives. Um, combat is a little lacking, but you don't need that when you've got so much story going on, you know, or... I think that's... Um, sorry. No, go ahead. I think that's one of the things that has been such a um, a bummer about cyberpunk is I think so many people expected what cyberpunk to be was they were going to take all the amazing things about the Witcher and get, make it a smooth combat, like really good combat. And, um, and instead it was the opposite where it's just like, yeah, all the great things about the Witcher are in cyberpunk, but also just the same, the same level of bugs and on, on the PS4, even, even more so. So it's kind of, yeah, it was, for cyberpunk is definitely a worse option and cyberpunk didn't make my list even though i got it on the ninth and had it platinum by the 26th i believe um <laughs> it just on like, a on a base ps4 <laughs> <laughs> with like n64 like type mech like texture maps oh. like because i would roll up to a building and not wait five seconds you know like for the textures to catch up it was definitely an interesting experience, but I mean, I felt like um, the difference between the two is that the storyline is so much more stronger for Witcher 3. And I think that's because, and this is, I think, a really big part, is that they they have that same strength in cyberpunk, but Geralt is his own character. Geralt has his own voice. Geralt has his own personality. And you've always seen him in a third person context within these storylines, you know, so they did an amazing job with the actor who after three years of or three different games has really gotten it down as far as like how Geralt is going to react or so it's definitely uh, that's turned up. And then when you got cyberpunk, you have the same quality of stories like all these really emotional things, but they're all like first person. So you don't have that amazing voice of Geralt or his history or his strength of character behind it. You have just you. And honestly, like, I haven't done the female playthrough, but the male version of V is just not, he's pretty wooden, you know? And it was when I told you, Matt, that uh, getting um, Johnny Silverhand on board with you really, like, turns the game up a notch because now you got more character going into it, you know? So, um, yeah, I think Cyberpunk eventually might get there, but definitely not worth, um, definitely not better in the games I've listed personally, you know? Well, I was going to say, I, I have a couple of questions about The Witcher 3. One, do either of you guys watch the Netflix show? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. And what's your opinion on that? Um, they're more tuned into the books, which I've started reading. The video game is definitely the video game story is that they got to the creator and then offered him a license for some dirt cheap money. I think like $1,500 basically, because he didn't have any respect for this uh, video game company because they hadn't really done anything. And he figured that, you know, he would just be able to sell them the rights to everything about, for video game format for, for the Witcher, 
and then just be done with it collect his money go off you know and then like go do other things and all of a sudden you got witcher 3 on your hand you know witcher 1 and 2 are well respected but witcher 3 is what really like is sucked in a lot of people and um that game is so different from the tv series and the books because it's almost all exclusively cdpr going through and affecting the stories uh they are they do have a fair amount of respect for the original stories and the characters but it is definitely cdpr and not the original author author. so gotcha gotcha and the other one I was going to ask is other one, how addictive is Gwent, the card game? Oh, I found it horrible. I I found it horrible. It my favorite part of the game. I was going to say, because there was a card game in Final Fantasy VIII that was like literally the only thing I did in that game. I hated everything about butt playing the card game. So No, I hated the card it's game. It's not a good game. And... If, forced me to do another playthrough so i had to do two playthroughs <laughs> but i had to do three playthroughs because of gwent so i really just hated it by the time i got done with gwent um but i mean i can see why people like it and enjoy it it's definitely uh it's definitely different from any i mean i'm surprised they haven't come out with that card game like in paper form i mean they have it on i, ha- I hear it's incredibly popular on the phone and stuff but i mean they really should just came out with like a deck so but yeah it's well, all right uh, i don't know i find it all right but yeah on to jack that's a that's a perfect segue to uh my <laughs> game of the year from one terribly shitty card game gwent to um the freaking astounding uh slay the spire which um, it's my number one game of the year. And it's not close. Uh, one of my favorite games of the PlayStation 4 era. Um, and I don't normally get into turn-based games. So I, I held off on this game for a long time, despite the fact that it was getting just killer reviews. And uh, really what instigated me getting it was I was playing Dominion with you guys and I was really feeling that. So I was like, ah, just give it a, screw it. You know, I'll just give it a chance. And it sucked me in. Um, the level of complexity, variety, the different ways you can play the game. Um, I played, um, it's really cool because I'm on Reddit and like some people play like the easiest difficulty and they cannot beat it. Like they played like 30 to 40 hours and they're like, how do you beat this? And then <laughs> so I thought I was awesome because I freaking made it all the way up to the hardest difficulty. Um on my own and it took me um probably about 80 or 90 hours um and then i couldn't beat the hardest the hardest difficulty and so i went online and i like the whole time i had avoided watching any kind of like information because i wanted to learn it on my own and i thought i was so good and i went online and i started watching these people and was like oh i don't know shit like i suck at this game (laughs) and uh that just is a testament to how freaking cool of a game it is that i spent 80 or 90 hours and just realized how completely oblivious i was to so many different strategies and just a completely different way of looking at the game so um at around the 200 hour mark i platinum the game and then i put another 100 hours in and i kept thinking i was going to get sick of it 
and I just got more and more obsessed until one night at like 4.30 in the morning, I freaking couldn't sleep in bed. I was just sitting there thinking about it. And I got out of bed and I went downstairs and I freaking took it off my PlayStation. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was seriously harming like my my life, my relationship with my wife, my, attention, my kids. Like I would wake up in the morning, I'd be like on the toilet on Reddit, like, ooh, the spire strategies. And um, so it was getting pathetic. Uh, so that was how my uh, number one game of the year ended. Uh, me at 4.30 in the morning, taking it off on PlayStation. Uh, that was my honorable mention. I, I had one. <laughs> um, and that's like a solid game that I just would never touch. And I only really gave it a shot because of just how much attention Jack was given to it. And then when I actually, when you actually sit down and play it and you start figuring out the mechanics behind it, the game is incredibly fun. Um, I did go through and I, I used all four characters in the, the initial first level run and called it good. I definitely wasn't aspired to, uh, get up to ascension hey. 20 ascension 20 right was definitely yeah, yeah yeah that's the highest one yeah i tried ascension 2 and uh that was a bit difficult i mean with some practice and time i definitely but <clears throat> uh the way you approach problems and like how lucky you can get in that game i could see why jack was so hooked into it because uh you know there's just been times where me and him were playing that game and with him being like the professional as far as like uh, the standards of this game goes, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Like this is over. And all of a sudden I would get that one card at exactly the right time, my last chance. And you would hit it and then you would win the fight and then get uh, get powered up in a sense. And then you would start like the next run, you know. So I definitely felt the bug. I mean, when you make a successful run, like hours go by. There's a one time where I was like having a lot of fun, and then I look, and it was like three hours later, and at like three o'clock in the morning, I was just like, "Oh shit," you know, I got to go to sleep. So, a really cool experience for me was watching you would let me watch your games, and one of my favorite things about Plumber is that if he starts to like, if he starts to feel like he's gonna lose, he just gets so like negative and just assumes <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> And so, like, just watching and just watching him and, and like watching him go over. And at this point, I mean, I, I'd had over a hundred hours of gameplay. He's just starting, so I mean, it's not like you know, I just have this really good understanding of how to of how to manipulate the game. And I'd be like, no, 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 you do this, 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 and he's like, what? And, like, <laughs> and it was like really fun for me because I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> There's one time where I had the win in my hand, and I just. <laughs> Chose the wrong card and threw it away. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that feeling. Yeah, I literally, like, Jack had really helped me tune up this deck that I had. And I was up to the last guy, and I was, like, had this, like, really powerful card, and I just didn't play it. And then I realized, like, I just failed. As soon as I, like, didn't play it, I was just like, ah! So, but really, like, really great game. Uh, different characters force you to play the game in different ways. Uh, despite facing up against the same villains like some are just easier with some characters and harder with some other characters so um and there's a pretty cool story behind it you know that gets tracked um so yeah 
No, I could see why Jack enjoyed that game so much. I mean, anything that forces you to have to delete it off the hard drive just to prevent <laughs> you from being letting it take over your life has to be one of the more immersive experiences of your year. So, <laughs> um, mine not nearly as um, unique in that regard. Mine, mine's a more traditional AAA title. Um, but the best game I played this year, I would say, is Days Gone. Um, I kind of trashed it when I first picked it up because everything about the initial presentation, like it, it's a AAA title. So, you know, the graphics is going to be good. You know, the engine's good. I mean, but it just seems so straightforward. It's like, you're literally just playing as, you know, a biker in a zombie wasteland. Um, but when you actually sit down you, you play it and you get immersed into it, like it starts off super cheesy. Like, like the opening is so corny. Like I almost like, instantly turned it off and deleted it of just like your big it's literally like your big burly biker guy well he's not that big but anyway him and his his biker bro who's like all tatted up who's like injured in the zombie apocalypse and then his wife who's also injured and you the protagonist decide to load your wife onto this helicopter that's about to escape and he pulls off this ring of like it's like a rat skull or something. And he puts it on our finger. He's like, I'm going to need that back. But I got to go with my bro and get out of this situation. <laughs> and so he sends her off on the helicopter. And then the game kicks off like 10 years later, or like three years later with you and your biker bro after all the zombie apocalypse has happened. So initially it was just like, my God, this is dumb. This is so bad. But then you kick off and, and you're out in you know the forests of oregon which is always cool to experience you know pacific northwest in a video game setting and you know you, you start doing the typical thing you do in every zombie game where you, you start helping out the survivors and trying to build up that but the more you play it the more you actually start to really appreciate like the world that they're building in it where it's like you start really grasping like each of these settlements like are people just trying to get by just like your character like you're just this dopey archetype of a biker but you know they actually built in a ton of backstory there there's a backstory explaining why you drown instantly if you go in the water there's backstory explaining why he won't settle at any of the camps there's backstory as to why he's so obsessed with maintaining this image of being a biker in you know a destroyed world and it just continues to grow and grow and grow and it's just a pleasant game throughout. Like I said, the gameplay isn't anything that blows your mind. It's we've all played it through a number of times. It's it's Red Dead mixed with Dead Rising mixed with any other shooting slash zombie game. But it's just realizing how much thought went into it, realizing like how just clean and fresh it feels to like actually experience a game where it's just kind of like you already know what goes on in these environments we've all talked to death like what you do in the zombie apocalypse we've all watched a million iterations of movies or tv shows of like how survivors maintain it it's got all that stuff but it also has like beyond that it's like the moments when the combat ends and the characters are just interacting it's the moments when you're just cruising around and actually take a moment like very much like Plummer and i've discussed with red dead where it's like you're kind of taking it back and like realize it's like wow this is just a beautiful game <laughs> like um there's a ton of that and then you know frankly it's it's a game i platinumed and part of the reason i platinumed it is because 
I enjoyed the way they handled the trophy system where at the end of the game, one of the big hang up trophies is, did you get 75% of the shit? Cool. Here's your trophy. <laughs> like it may be cheating in terms of the plumber scale of platinums, but cause, cause there's not as much grinding, but I appreciated that because it felt really good to get to the end of the game and realize I got most of it. I missed a few of those obscure ones. Like, can me, throw me a bone here. Like, you mean either one trophy wasn't slay 750,000 zombies. I mean, I can't respect that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like the, the one hugely negative thing I'll say, and the, the biggest reason I wouldn't recommend this game to either of you guys though, however, is one of the worst control things i've ever experienced is the you know the the pad the touchpad that's how you bring up your map but it's got the hypersensitivity where you barely like swipe your thumb on it and the map pops up so anytime you're in combat if your thumb even gets in that general area the map <laughs> pops up and with a game that like the engine is built to have those sequences where there's a horde of a hundred zombies on the screen at once <laughs> and your reload button you have to do this weird claw machination in order to like make it work is the most frustrating thing in the world having like everything to be interrupted by the map popping up constantly so it's like the equivalent in real life when you reach into the wrong pocket like i got my gun oh shit this is my map (laughs) (laughs) exactly with your map favorite cut but um but yeah, I was going to say something real quick, Plumber. I was just going to say, like, I played Last of Us 2 this year. I played Days Gone. The difference being is, like, when I'm playing through Last of Us 2, like, the storyline, after a while, you just get so, like, fed up with everything going on because it's just so over the top, like, beating into your head all this, how horrible this environment is. And Days Gone has that as well, but it balances out with all the many moments where you actually appreciate, like you appreciate the bond he has with this biker bro that he literally put his wife on the helicopter to help escape because he was injured and didn't want to leave him to be eaten by himself. You appreciate like this guy who, even though he's lost everything is still trying to help people. Or even though he knows some of the camps are kind of sketchy, he still wants the best for everybody. Like you appreciate the fact that he has his own issues, you know, going on. All of these things are present too in The Last of Us 2, but it's over the top where there's no there's no bright spots. And when there are bright spots, even those get wiped, taken out from underneath you. So as long as you're talking about The Last of Us 2, can I ask you, um, one of the things that really interests me about The Last of Us 2 is um, the fact that they uh, have Seattle in it. Now, I want your opinion. What is more impressive? And I don't just mean like technically, visually, but also like entertaining, um, just the the feeling. What did you enjoy more, the the Pacific Northwest in Days Gone or the Pacific Northwest in The Last of Us 2? Uh, by far, it was Days Gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Seattle that's represented in Last of Us, it's you got the Space Needle and that's about it. <laughs> Everything else is just generic cityscape, which they can oh. do. And then it rains a lot. That's disappointing. I was really looking forward to what Naughty Dog could do with that. And uh, that's disappointing. There are some cool, uh, I, there are some caveats. There are certain small settings where it's really cool if you've been a Seattle native, as long as we all have, but they're not accurate. Like it, it nothing was actually modeled. It's just kind of a general, like, this is something that would be here. There's, 
definitely one in level without giving too much away that is very reminiscent of Ivers on the pier, you know, where there's a moment where you're killing zombies or whatever, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Molotov cocktails. But it's so <laughs> generic that it could be any city with a waterfront, you know, by that same token. I feel like there's more emphasis on, you know, the Ferris wheel than you know, on any other landmark outside of the Space Needle. I'm sure that there were other things that maybe stood out more, maybe to somebody who isn't as familiar with the city as myself, who just kind of, it all just kind of blends in if it's broken, beaten up or, but like, yeah, I, I didn't think it was nearly as, as cool as Days Gone where it, it really just felt like old logging roads and just forest setting and, and, you know, just, seem much more viable it's like that's an environment where that makes sense that you'd be tooling around because there's more spread out that's why you can avoid zombies and why settlements can appear versus you're talking downtown seattle it's completely overrun and beaten to shit it's like why would you mill around here like so <laughs> i want to um i definitely want to bring up dumb and uh dumb beginnings uh and this is definitely not to overshadow days gone uh but I started Far Cry 5 with Jack and this has got to be one of the dumbest beginnings ever where uh, you along with maybe, all right, you got two people up front. You got, so you got six at the most, six people serving up an arrest warrant to a dude who is surrounded by multiple hundreds of religious fanatics armed with AR-15s, grenades, pistols and enough ammo to throw like a small war and you go in there on one helicopter with a sheriff who's got you, you maybe all have pistols but there's one shotgun in the whole group and you're just i'm sitting there like starting <laughs> the game with jack and i'm like who in their fucking right mind would only like, come in with like five other people and be like they're fucking arrested my favorite is when the guy goes, they're going to get a taste of my nine millimeter if they don't watch out. And it's like all these guys there. <laughs> There's like 30 people you are fast. That's all got like cracked out machine guns. And you're just like, like It's hilarious. I'd be rolling in with some like light armored vehicles and like being like, this is some Waco type shit. So bring your leader out here and we'll talk. Like, not, I'm going to fly in on a helicopter. And the crazy thing is they actually get out on the helicopter. Yeah, uh, not really. Not really, but I mean, I don't see how they even got off the ground, to be honest. But yeah, that, that was such an amazing beginning. And if I were you, I would at least YouTube watch it just so you could snicker about how funny it is. Um, but I want to touch back on Days Gone. I think it got an unfair start because it was so incredibly glitchy at the beginning. Um, I was going to say, there is the caveat that they updated it, I believe, literally the, the week I started playing it. So um, yeah. apparently it was a huge update that cleaned up a lot. So yeah. So, and I keep hearing exactly what you were saying, Matt, is so many people online talk about how they did not like the first 10 hours of the game. And, oh, just stick with it. And I mean, how many people are going to stick with 10 hours of a mediocre game, you know? Yeah, no, like I say, it's I was certainly down on it to begin with. I just felt like, you know, having played games like Death Stranding, which I felt like got overhyped, like this one kind of was flew slightly under the radar for me in terms of a AAA title. 
And when I actually sat down and played through it, like I said, I, I just felt like there was a lot of heart put into it, which is something that, you know, can't always be said for these larger titles. Like I thought what you said about um, was Uncharted 4 is perfectly summarizes my experience with most AAA games where it's just, they tend to be a little too long and they tend to have just, it's a little too crisp in terms of some of the dialogue and stuff where it doesn't really resonate because they're trying to like, you know, they have very talented voice actors. So, you know, everything flows well, but unlike this, which is a little, you know, days gone, which is a slightly clunkier, but at the same time, it sticks with you more because of that. It's like, like I said, they do have to kind of ham fist it because it's a video game. Like it's important to have a few levels where you have to save your stupid, you know, tattooed biker buddy from sudden death in order to make you appreciate all that these two have been through. Not just, you know, a character walking along, you know, the waterfront, having a detailed discussion about their past, you know, just to have filler sequences. So um, yeah, it, it's a slow start. It's a very dumb intro, but the way it ended really set up a wonderful environment. And I'd be very curious to see what the sequel looks like. Um, and like I said, just for the year, it was certainly the most enjoyable game I've played thus far. So I had such zombie fatigue by the time that game was released that that's what really kind of hurt the prospects of me wanting to invest into it. I mean, we're literally at the tail end of like a fad, you know, um, so. And, and me and Plum were were on the fad about two years before it really got got going. Like, yeah, we were we were deep when all of a sudden it became mainstream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were reading uh, Walking Dead before it was even popular, you know. So, but yeah, and, and yeah, that's a great point, and I think that's the other part I kind of appreciate because it stripped out a lot of the stuff that I feel like a lot of the has become the norm with zombie fatigue now. It's like the characters are more basic. There's not this need to like go into all their backstory and explaining all these and they need to have their custom weapon and they need to have like, it's just very straightforward. It's like, look, he was a biker. The world went to shit. And now he's a biker who was also in the military before he was a biker. So he knows how to kill things. You know, it, it, there, I appreciate that where it's just like, look, you know what you're getting like rather than like try to make this anything like high art wise let's just make it a very much just a sentimental game about like you know these are just people surviving now you yes. know and You're he just, happens to be a realistic figure that would survive in that type of late landscape and you know have to cope with his own issues so But that all being said, Plumber, you got anything you're looking forward to in 2021 that you're currently playing or you intend to pick up? I started God of War and um, I've actually given games like a two day break. I haven't played anything yesterday or all day today, um, but I definitely want to finish that game up. Um, I feel like that probably would be on my list if I were to finish it up from what I've gotten to. I've gotten to the lake of nine uh oh, both of you gentlemen have played this so i've gotten to yeah. the lake of nine and i went around and checked out all the different like hidden areas and all that but i'm ready to like move on with the main story but i'm super impressed by the amount of emotion that they can convey with kratos and his son in such a small window and with such small gestures like all the times where 
um, Atreus. That's his name, right? I believe it is. Atreus yeah. is like, oh, hey, look at this new area. And, you know, you're you're behind both characters and you can see Kratos like just wanting to go out and embrace his son, you know, just show him some love. And, you know, you'll see him like, you know, go back on it. He's like, no, he needs to be stronger. He needs to, he needs to have that callousness that, you know, a lot of the, the characters in that game have to have just because of the nature of the world that they live in. Um, and I'm, pretty impressed by that also like how good everything looks considering how old that game is and what system it's running on i'm really impressed by it but i could see why both you guys got into it and it's another game that jack has been for years been telling me to play because he knows i'll like i'll appreciate it just i think i got burnt man finishing up cyberpunk within a two-week window and just starting up god of war i was just kind of like yeah, I need to put this away for a bit. I don't think God of War is really your style of game. I just think it's so well done that if, as a gamer, I think you owe it to yourself to just give it a shot. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, it, it, it isn't my style. Like, uh, it's not my main style of playing it, but I do like the action adventure scene. So that was a good call by you. But really, like what you said, that it's such a good story. And that's really one of my linchpins for what makes a good game is like the story worth playing. You know, um, I almost want to say, could I have read a book and gotten that same emotional experience out of reading that book than playing with this video game, you know? So, and amongst my top games, uh, Witcher 3, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, those are all points that are just really up there as far as what described on. Now, Monster Hunter World's completely different. That's all just pure action, but I mean, that's why I say that. You know, like, I feel like uh, God of War is a little bit of Monster Hunter World and a little bit of uh, really good storytelling, like, you know, RDR2 or like, uh, you know, The Witcher. So, yeah, great game. I'm looking forward to finishing it, you know, even though I know kind of the, the twist, but. Well, I platinum that one plumber, so I challenge you. <laughs> uh, Ooh, and that's that is a I hear that's a tough platinum. So, well, there's no hard difficulty attached to it. So, yeah, wait, wait till you fight the Valkyries and yeah, <laughs> talk about no hard difficulty. <laughs> yeah, I heard about them. I mean, they're notorious, but I mean, luckily you don't have to beat the whole game on the hardest setting. So, that's pretty nice. That's true. Jack, you got anything you're looking forward to in 2021 gaming wise or currently? Um, playing? Well, what's funny is like, I've always loved PlayStation the last couple of generations. Cause I feel like they always get these awesome indie games and the motherfucking switch in <laughs> all the indie games, like all these indie developers are realizing, Oh, like it's this handheld device. So we have this little cheap game. Let's just throw it on the switch. And now I got to freaking wait for these freaking, sorry, I'm very upset about this. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's two games. One is scheduled for March, uh, Disco Elysium, uh, I think you pronounce it. Um, Disco Elysium. And Elysium, thank you, Plumber. Yes. I'm um, looking forward to that. Um, and the other game I'm really looking forward to is Hades by Supergiant Games. Um got a lot of game of the year awards and it's a i mean as an independent game that's freaking awesome um and i've played all three of the other super giant games and i'm really hoping that they uh put that out on the playstation uh in 2020 in 2021 
Yeah, no, I, I've heard that one's essentially a from software game only without the headache of losing everything when you die. So, <laughs> oh, Disco Elysium, uh, uh, Hades. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, it's a roguelite though, so you start from the beginning every time, but you gain, you get more powerful. Yeah, I don't and... think you lose everything though, uh, right? Yeah, you it's it, roguelites. So you 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 start oh, light. from the beginning, oh, okay. but you do keep like perks and upgrades and that kind of thing. Um, and it's just gotten fantastic um, press. Everybody's saying it's Super Giant's best game yet, and that is uh, that's saying something because they make really good games. Yeah, no, it, both incredible games. I actually that was why I got my brother for Christmas this year. So both of those. So, um, oh really? Yeah, based off the critical reviews. That's funny. Um, myself, I'm currently in the middle of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is honestly probably one of the last major games i think on playstation 4 that i haven't beaten um i'll still be checking in on cyberpunk as the updates come through i'm hoping that after the january and hopefully early february ones go through it's a more playable experience um because i still want to get through that one as well but horizon zero dawn has been absolutely fantastic um, I actually, uh, Plumber going back, I, I, my character is a female in, in cyberpunk. I, I, and, um, I did that intentionally because I was curious how it would affect the plot. Uh, doesn't seem like it changes anything. It's a very wooden generic character. It changes who you can hook up with. Um, yeah. Which was the other reason I think I did because that's not my priority in playing it. So, um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm, it was it's so funny going from one game where it's like cyberpunk, where it's like, OK, I make this like female corpo character where I'm like, excited to like make her kind of the super badass. And then every piece of equipment I pick up makes her look like a go-go dancer instantly. And it's like, OK, that's my character versus Horizon Zero Dawn, which I'm incredibly impressed by the amount of dialogue they have where there's like no flirtation. It's just very direct, like treating her as if they're equals in every setting like it's a very progressive game in that regard and i thought that's awesome um and i just think it's a very engaging wonderful game well designed and super fun so um i'm probably gonna try to platinum that one as well hopefully so i can catch up the plumber attach i think uh horizon zero dawn is fantastic uh, I, I beat the game i didn't play the dlc but um everything about that game it's just so impressive that they've managed to pull off the level of detail in a in a mostly open world game um it it's just it just feels everything feels right and the combat is so fun yeah definitely that's why i think i could actually platinum this one um just because it, it's enjoyable even when you get to the frustrating parts it's like yeah i can dust myself off and try that again you know platinum if i recall the platinum is a grind i didn't i didn't do it but um where i was at and what i needed to do after completing the game um it, it was a lot well maybe not then <laughs> maybe i'll <laughs> maybe i'll be content to just find all the uh hidden trophies or whatever and call it vba but yeah. that's usually where i leave off uh the the platinum for cyberpunk is incredibly easy it seems like it's difficult, but um, the setup, the, the the hardest part was getting around the glitches. Um, I was going to say, I was impressed you were able to do it all in one playthrough. Dude, like, it's it's so easy. Uh, they even give you an opportunity, a point where it's the last point to save it before you 
push through to the end of the game. And then when you hit new game plus, it just brings you back to that same point. So you can just run through the ending again, but just select a different path. So that's what I did over the course of two days is I would play out an ending and then go back and play out another ending and go back and play out another ending. And um, it was gotcha. all on one playthrough. That that platinum is incredibly easy and not nearly as difficult as um, I would say um, Witcher 3. And Witcher 3 wasn't even too hard, but... I mean, if you didn't do certain things in Witcher 3, you would have a harder time through it. So, but Cyberpunk is so easy. I am looking for the eventual updates and DLCs that will come to it. Um, I'm just so disappointed that it had all these amazing stories, but none of the stuff that they said that would be there where you really were changing the story with your um, decisions. And it's not even the fucking case. It's so disappointing. (laughs) everlasting video game promise like yeah that's literally what i bought into so (laughs) um but yeah that that'll be one i'm I'm curious plumber to uh we'll we'll have to get together again and record one of these and and see as i get a bit further into it and we can kind of touch base and see if there were any branches that maybe we just weren't as aware of um and also i'm curious jack when disc when you get disco elysium um because I've heard that one actually does execute what we're talking about very well. Look, look for it in March from what I just Yeah, read. yeah. The way they pull it off in, in, in that game is that it's literally just one block. Yeah. So because they zero in on one block, they can actually have all these options and dialogue that you realistically can't do in this gigantic open world besides like, choosing a faction and having that faction take over like you were talking about earlier with uh with uh, uh i forget what what the uh name of the game was but where the the monks get all annihilated <laughs> oh wasteland too yeah yeah wasteland yeah all right gentlemen well happy new year to you both uh very much enjoyed this and i look forward to getting a chance to do this again soon so yeah let's talk in 2021 have a happy new year man good gaming <laughs>